And wait, and wait. And baby, I'm TFC till I die. The vibes were great, and the results even better. Welcome back to another edition of the Toronto Till I Die podcast, Monday afternoon, and my name is Michael Singh, and I am delighted, absolutely delighted, to once again be joined by my main guy, Jeffrey P. Nesker, making his Feels so weird. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. But it's good to be back. I'm not used to looking at myself on the uh, on the Zoom camera anymore. So uh, I'll pretend to ignore myself. But yeah, yeah. Holy crap. It's been a it's been a minute. Um, yeah. And uh, I picked quite the time you? to go away for a month. I was working yeah, on a movie uh, shooting up in North Bay. Uh, and I got back. Damn, I don't remember. I think I got back on Saturday, but it felt like Sunday. What are days anymore? Uh, happy to be back. The temperatures here are a lot more humid than they are up in North Bay, so I'm dealing with that. But uh, if we're being honest, I haven't really left my apartment since I returned, other than to you know go outside and, and take a look and then go back to bed. So yeah, <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, Jeff, um, things mm-hmm. are things are drastically, drastically different. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> since the last time you were on mm-hmm. the show, I think it's it's been about a month literally yeah just about just about a month yeah i'm not gonna lie man a part of me was worried that you were one of the pieces that were just set back in a toronto fc trade and just kind of just dipped on us i don't know maybe uh listen i i am afraid that my return to the to the six the yyz is going to preclude tfc falling into a hole again and i am going to take all the flack for it no 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 so so we'll see we'll see um, but you know, it has to be said, you guys have held down the fort quite amicably. I've, I've listened to the show on very, very piss poor internet. And I've also watched as much TFC as I can, uh, without going over on my data, which unfortunately I did twice and had to re up while I was up there. <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, I'd apologize to the production, but they were all watching with me. So everybody knows that I was watching TFC games when I should have been working, but you know, film is a lot of hurry up and wait. So I had my opportunities. Um, I see, uh, you've got a rundown and I've also got what I'll call a rundown, which is, and we discussed this, uh, as we were prepping the show, I've got a loose list of, of, of North Bay notes, uh, that are totally chaotic. I figured, well, I figured it would be kind of fun to just go down the line and, uh, and you could sort of fill in the blanks for me. And, and this is, this is, this is just stuff that I noticed and questions that I had, listening to the tunnel club and, and, and TFC until I die and, and my limited watching of the show. So I guess the question is, do you want to go over your rundown first and then do my insanity? Or do you want to start with my insanity? And then maybe that will factor in into the rundown. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. Let's all so right. Let's first go. Off, little shout out to our guy, Mike Newell, who is obviously not here with us today. Uh, if you talk about someone holding down the fort, Mike has, done a tremendous job and who else has done a tremendous job is our friends over at the tfc tunnel club Uh, Mm -hmm. our sister show who's been handling a lot of the post-game toronto fc um, twitter spaces Uh, make sure you guys check that out if you haven't already 
but Sean Levy and yesterday Sonia Miso did an excellent job sort of breaking down the game. So we won't mm-hmm. dive too far into the game, but I do want to touch on it because, I mean, it was another special night there down by BMO Field. And, of course, Toronto FC coming away with a 3-1 win over the Portland Timbers, snapping Portland's 10-game unbeaten run, which was impressive on its own. But I thought overall, not only did they snap Portland's unbeaten run, it made Portland look like children out there. I felt that. the majority of the match, Toronto FC dictated the tempo, dominated the game. Aside from two chances in the second half they gave up, it was all Toronto FC. And I thought the scoreline, while it was 3-1, it could have been a lot uglier for for Portland. And we'll, we'll dive into a little bit of the uh, <laughs> of the, the striker, I guess, issues uh, mm-hmm. that we're sort of being faced with right now. But first, Jeff... Of course, let's talk a little bit about this game. So, TFC have now gone and won 10 points out of a possible 12 since the debuts of Insigne and Bernadeschi, <clears throat> and 6 out of 6 from Rich, uh, since the debut of Richie Larea. My so man. Rich, oh, yeah. Obviously, Richie and Insigne named to the MLS Team of the Week this week. I guess, let's <laughs> start with Richie. And... We saw his connection with Jonathan Osorio on the first goal. And then, of course, he feeds Bernardeschi for the third goal. So two assists in his home debut, I guess. I guess let's call debut-ish. it. Debut-ish. What number is he wearing now? 17? 19. Yeah, so 19, different looking right, Richie. Um, yeah, but on that yeah. note, I asked this to, to, to Mike and Sean, who was actually hosting the show with, with me last week. Uh, this from what you've seen, I know it hasn't been everything, but what you've seen, is this is this a new-looking Richie Larea? Does Richie Larea look a lot better than than he was before he left Toronto FC? I think you, you hit the nail on the head when you said he's the best uh, right back in the league, and he knows it. Um, and now he really knows it. Uh, we, we, you know, I've heard inklings of, of relationships sort of not being as good as they could have been with the coaching staff and, and his gaffer at Notting Forest. Uh, I know that uh, considering the, their activity in the transfer market at his position after they lost Judge Spence, he could see the writing was on the wall. Um, I also know that you said that this was in the works for a long time and that the issue was is that, uh, what was it, Cincinnati was holding on to that number one spot in the allocation order because they wanted Matt Miazga. Uh, so... Yeah, I mean, in a sh- to short in, in a short form, absolutely, he looks like a man possessed, and that's weird to say because he always plays like a man possessed, but he looks like a man possessed uh, exponentially larger. He's got I don't I don't know if it's a chip on his shoulder. We've all I don't know if you've read Molinaro's one on one interview with him on TFC Republic. Maybe he was just saying what we all wanted to hear, but he said he has no hard feelings uh, towards the Notting the Nottingham Forest organization, and that he learned a lot just simply training with with an organization of that caliber and probably learned a lot about himself uh, facing another difficult road bump in his career. Um, but he's playing like he's better than this league. And he is. Uh, and it's okay. wonderful to see. I mean, you know, you talk about, uh, uh, you know, blooding the Italians and seeing the A and, 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 and phases of adaption to the league. Well, with Richie, it was an instant, instant plug and play solution. Um, and let's not forget, he's not playing with the same team that he left 
He's like, we've upgraded or changed, uh, changed players in almost every single way. So the fact that he had instant uh, chemistry with Bernadeschi on the right, instant chemistry with some of the new defenders um, was unbelievable. I mean, just unbelievable. The, you know, it's in my notes. Uh, it's Lorea equals, oh my God. And then in brackets, purchase clause. <laughs> and I know there isn't one. And my suggestion is you pay Nottingham Forest whatever the hell they want because he's home and he belongs here. Um, that doesn't preclude another move to Europe if he wants to make it. But, you know, age is 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 getting up there. Certainly, if he performs as well as he does with the team, with the Canadian men's national squad in the World Cup, the world is kind of his oyster because he's already made a move to Europe. So it's, you know, and, and, he'll, and he'll be ruling in, in MLS and, and hopefully ruling in the World Cup. So I, uh, I, I think the sky's the limit for this guy. And uh, considering the amount of, um, uh, sort of roadblocks to his to his career. I I couldn't be happier for the man. I really couldn't. For sure. I've I've said this for a while now. I, I think there is a way for Toronto FC to make this deal a permanent deal. I know it starts off as a loan, but I I think there is there is something else there. We'll we'll see how it plays out. But regardless, right now it's it's a great time to have Richie Larea back. Unbelievable. At home at BMO Field, and you know the two knocks against Richie Larea over the course of his Toronto FC career where sometimes he was a bit of a poor defender. Um, you know, everyone thought he was sort of a one-way kind of cut type of player, but there was one play in particular that, that stood out on, on Saturday, and that was in the second half. The ball gets played out wide. I believe it was to Sebastian Blanco, and he has Richie Larrea 1v1. And Richie Lorea ultimately blocks a cross. I believe that Blanco tried to hopelessly kind of swing into the middle, turns mm-hmm. the ball the other way, puts it up the field to Bernadeschi, who's beautiful outside of the football, slides in Io, and Io's doesn't isn't able to finish uh, the goal. But I thought Richie Lorea looked very solid defensively, and I think he's taken a step forward in that area of the mm-hmm. pitch. And then the second knock on Richie was. He was always great at getting into dangerous areas, but the final product sometimes eluded him. He wasn't able to come <laughs> up with the final, final pass all the time, mm. you know, the, the right decision, the right shot. So far, we're seeing Richie Larea make some really good decisions when he gets into dangerous areas of the pitch. Obviously, the assist he had against Nashville was 10 out of 10 back posts low cross to Jonathan Osorio. And then over the weekend, he gets on again on the baseline and cuts it back to, to Oso. So that Canadian men's national team link up is real. And so is mm-hmm. right now, Richie Larea's production at the end of the pitch. We talked after the Nashville game, we said Richie Larea could have been attributed for almost three assists in that game. Cause he also won a penalty and he made the dummy run down the right hand yep. side that released Oso. And then in this game, he picks up, two assists and I thought he was uh he's his impact was was significant in this match as expected but yeah shifting things over to the other side of the pitch we have to talk a little bit about Mimo Crescito Crescito, because I know this is this is probably on your notes as well but and Sean said this yesterday on the TFC Tunnel Club but I would, I would probably agree. He's giving us a bit of DP quality at left back 
with how Absolutely. well he has been playing. And when you factor in Richie Larea on the right, Mimo on the left, all of a sudden, you can make a strong case, a strong argument that Toronto FC have the best fullback pairing in Major League Soccer. Which is absolutely crazy considering the, the season uh, as it began. Um, my note is Crescido equals yummy. And and I think that, uh, I think Sean said it best when, when you guys were talking about the best uh, summer transfer move for the club. And nobody said Crescito. I think, did you take the hipster well, pick? Did you take Crescito? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mentioned but, it, but, but I, I copped out and said it's, it's Bernadeschi. But I did give but it I, an honorable but, mention. But I, well, the, I think the issue with Crescito is that he fits so 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 smoothly into the team. It was almost like he's played here forever, which I think is almost verbatim what Sean said on the Tunnel Club. Uh, and that's amazing. I mean, that we are so used to having long spells of adaptation and making excuses for players to adapt to the vagaries and the intricacies of MLS, you know, at his age and, and considering, you know, the, the long, the sort of the long phase between always coming, he's not coming, always here. Uh, He, he filled in seamlessly, absolutely seamlessly. So yeah, it's easy to overlook what he's doing back there. Uh, But you'd be foolish to not to, to, to do that because he's been exceptional for the club. Uh, and he's a no-nonsense right back that's also got quite a nice attacking noose. So, you know, back, and he can take penalties. Like he's he's great. He's great, and he's playing like he's he's at least five years younger on the on the on the scale of you know soccer. Like <laughs> he does he does look like he's he's coming. So, he's rounding into thirty as opposed to mid thirties. Let me ask you, what's your favorite asset? I guess that Crescito brings to this Toronto FC team. Like, what have you seen from his game that you really, really like? What stands out the most? The solidity. The fact that I don't have a heart attack every time he's bombing down the flank or coming in to fill in for, or, you know, just doing coverage when a team goes wide to attack us. There's a there's a stability that, that we saw maybe for half a second, longer than half a second in Salcedo that I think Crescido has cold. Uh, the kind of stability that we used to see in Drew Moore uh, yeah. at, at parts uh, in Oro on the other side. I mean, because when he played left back, it was kind of a disaster. But but that kind of stability, you know, we were, we were getting pretty used to our flanks being an absolute uh, nightmare, for lack of a better word, because we were trying to blood young kids uh, out of position. And just to have that stability instantly is a real refreshing change. So, so I think that's my, my biggest takeaway from Crescito. I'd like to see, um, I'd like to see him take a penalty because I know he can. Um, and, and also, you know, I can't remember who said this, but we've got a whole bunch of captains on our team, our team where the captain is Michael Bradley penciled in. Uh, and it's nice to see that kind of captain's attitude in other players beyond Bradley and and also I think has has a certain captain's mentality now. Uh he brings that to the back. He's been the captain of Genoa for for a long time. And uh and seeing him without without wearing the armband bring that same kind of attitude. It's a lovely surprise. Yeah, no, for sure. And he's also the captain at Zenit. And that's yeah. kind of the first thing that that Chris Mavinga pointed to after the game when he was asked about the Italians and he said not only is it the quality that they bring, but it's the quality of their human beings. Obviously, Chris doesn't have the best, best English, but you get the sense of what yeah. he's saying. He's, they're not just great players. They're great people. 
they're great leaders. And he said they ensure that they're playing the best football out there. And you, you see that. Like These are guys who genuinely look like they want to be here. These are guys who genuinely look like they're bought in. Mm-hmm. And just circling back to just Mimo, my favorite quality about Mimo is his progressive passes. Mm-hmm. So often over these last couple of years, even dating back to times under Greg Vanny, we saw the team get really really methodical in sort of the, the way that they approached the game. They made it at times a little bit too predictable. There were times sure where you, you oftentimes you just pick the easy pass. But with Mimo, he has an ability to get his head up and honestly break down break down a, a, the front press uh, with just a single pass so many times. And his yeah. ability, obviously, with linking up with his good friend there, Lorenzo Insigne, you add in the quality of him. And TFC's left-hand side are in really good shape. And at the same time, Essentially what Axis of Evil is saying here, the combo of Nemo and Insigne on the left with Richie and Bernadeschi on the right makes it difficult for teams to game plan against. Strong attacking options on both sides. Yeah, exactly. 100%. That's what we're starting to see. Uh, Richie obviously yep. brings it a little bit different of a trait uh, than Nemo, but he still has that quality to kind of break TFC out at the back. And in turn, it's I think that's taken so much pressure off of Lucas McNaughton and Chris Mavinga because even Michael Bradley too, because now yeah. they don't have to get their head up and and be the guys who are picking the forward pass. Instead, they can obviously sure slide it out to the left or the right, and you can build out from from either side. So, yeah, it's the, the football's really starting to come together. Uh, Bob mm-hmm. Bradley said, you know, the pace of play of the game after the first fifteen minutes really picked up. I think I saw that. I, I'll go as far as saying I'm not sure we've seen this type of football at BMO Field ever. Um, when Toronto FC are playing. I'm not saying that we haven't had better moments or better teams. or, or Actually, I don't know. I don't know if we've had better teams, to be honest with you. But better moments, for sure. Sure. Um, but the type of, of football that they're playing, the balls, the quality, having Lorenzo Insigne, the angles that he's cutting inside and keeping the ball and bringing in his teammates, I, I just it's it's a really fun thing to watch right now. And it seems like the team is, is really really starting to click so on that note I, I think i'd be a little bit remiss if we don't talk about our new italian superstars and designated players and of course that's federico bernardeschi and lorenzo insigne so bernardeschi obviously scoring the third goal insigne the mm-hmm. second goal and those two have now been involved in eight of toronto fc's last 10 mls goals stupid including the two goals that were scored on uh on saturday night so yeah just uh just absolutely yep. ridiculous DP MVP quality production right now from both of our new Italian superstars. Jeff, did you catch the celebrations at all from uh, my note is stats on the new DPs are insanely ridiculous. So I'm going to cross that one off because we've covered it. I did not did what you mean uh, a Fede's celebration where he got the yellow card and we saw how, oh. how high his sleeve goes. Uh, <laughs> I saw that one. I didn't see Lorenzo's did Lorenzo try and do a, uh, 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 what's it called? The slip and slide. It's got a name. The double knee so, slide. Essentially, but he's the goal was scored in the six yard box. Essentially, of Toronto FC at the south end for Toronto FC, mm-hmm. and Lorenzo sprinted full sprint all the way to. Do you know where his his press box was? Where he was sitting. Yeah, yeah, press box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suite was where he was sitting. So he 
opposite corner of the field essentially so he sprinted all the way across there and did did one of those those knee slides i think his perhaps his family was in the box um yeah. so that was that was a, like there was pure ecstasy i guess on his face after scoring that goal his first goal at bemo field uh so yeah, that was yeah. really special and then Bernadeschi's was honestly that was so funny i cracked <laughs> up when he he scored and then takes off his shirt and chucks it like a mile up in the air. <laughs> that's, that's a guy that knows how to rile up a crowd. I think that's, that's another thing about these guys is that they're, they're really bought in. They're really bought in, in sort of making the environment at BMO field special. They interact with the fans. You see after the game, Lorenzo Insigne doing the TFC chant back to the, the, the South End supporters. Sweet. It's, Looking forward to that. Yeah, they, they really add to, to the vibe. But, Jeff, are you surprised, I guess, at all with, with the impact that they've managed to make in such a short amount of time? I have I have two notes. The first is is Feta. Um, I've seen from afar how he's become a fan favorite. And, uh, you know, is it simply... Like obviously, I see on TV. I wasn't there for for you know the the the, the jersey toss. I did see the press conference and the all white ensemble where he started leading uh, chants with the supporters. Um, but all I'm hearing is just how much everybody loves him. Is it that? Is it he's he's that infectious of a personality? That's Bernadeschi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that's what I've I've said since since meeting him at his press conference is. You see him on stage doing the dance to the drums. You see him trying to speak English, and he just has a really likable persona about him. And he's a guy that honestly doesn't, not even doesn't, he probably loves being in the spotlight. Yeah. So he, like I said, he really knows how to get a fan base going. He really knows how to to play the crowd. And I think he's done an excellent job of that so far. And, you know, it wasn't, he was honestly having a really, really tough game. Uh, Claudio Bravo on the other team, who is probably one of the best defensive left backs in MLS, gave Bernadeschi a really tough time. And I think up to scoring his goal, he was, he was frustrated. Uh, right. Like I said, wasn't having a great game. And then he scores that moment of brilliance, which is what both of these guys can bring. And then you see sort of, the, again, the ecstasy that kind of yeah, shows. Yeah. And, BMO field just erupts. So, I mean, you know what made it difficult to gauge the performance of our two new Italian DPs? They changed. They each swapped hairstyles, and that was really, <laughs> really mean. I mean, I'm not, I'm not here, so I, I had a trouble figuring out who was who for a while. Um, yeah, don't do that, especially when I'm away in North Bay on limited sleep, because I, if it wasn't for the shirt numbers and occasionally you don't see them, I couldn't tell them apart. Um, and that's my other note on on them. Uh, my note on Insigne is, is it fair to say he's taking longer to adapt than Bernadeschi, but also he only scores super bangers? <laughs> well, the thing about Insigne is he was obviously coming off a calf injury uh, and Bernadeschi was just coming off a bit of vacation. So kind of different starting points for both of those players. Mm-hmm. If you look at it through the lens of the fact that Insigne had the best game that he's had in a Toronto FC shirt on Saturday night, and it seems like he's improving game by game by game, and I still don't know if we've seen the best version of Lorenzo Insigne yet. Then For yeah, sure I think it's fair. Yeah. I think it's fair to say he's longer 
he's taken a bit longer to adapt than than Bernadeschi, who is already has, I believe, three goals and two assists to his name yep. through the first four MLS matches since he's debuted. So yeah, I mean Bernadeschi's producing at a, at a higher clip right now, but I think I think it's clear that Lorenzo has the higher ceiling when it comes to both of these guys and. Yeah, the sure. best is yet to come, I think, for both of them, but especially for Lorenzo. And I think, I, you know, if I could speculate for a second, I think we'll see a lot more of that sort of reverse Ariane Robin move until MLS figures that out. Because if, he can, if he's got that in his pocket, he's going to try that until it stops working, right? Um, and they're gorgeous goals, so <laughs> I'm all for it. Um, Got another note here, and it's uh, Jaden Nelson is ready for prime time. From what I saw, I think he has uh, he's passed the Bob Bradley test, and he is ready to be uh, a, a starter or at very least a bench player uh, for this team for this first team moving forward. Would you agree with that? I would, I, I would for sure. And you know, Jaden's path to sort of getting to this point has been a bit of a roller coaster. You know, there are times where. He shows flashes of absolute brilliance, and there's times where he's the most frustrating player on the pitch. Sure. He's, he's prone at times to making poor decisions in poor areas of the field. Um, but now that he's getting a consistent run of play with better players, he's looking a lot more at home and the pressure is being taken off of him a little bit to now be the guy to sort of create. He instead has yes. to, to just focus on his role, which is, by the way, a brand new role for Jaden Nelson this year. He's never really played central midfielder. He's being asked to play essentially as a number eight. Yeah, um, yeah. And I thought his positioning, especially on Saturday, has been a lot more sound. You don't see him moving all over the place. Like I agree. In the past, he seems to have settled into to knowing where he needs to be. And what I also like about having Jaden in that role, obviously it's still Mark Anthony K's role whenever he does get healthy and back, but just having mm-hmm. Jaden in that role is that it allows fluidity within Insigne and Bernadeschi because Jaden's also capable of slotting out to the left while Insigne cuts inside or Bernadeschi comes over and plays next to Insigne in the center of the park and Jaden Nelson moves over to the right wing. Like It allows a lot of fluidity in that sort of uh, a midfield and yeah, he's he's settling in and not trying to do too much, which I think is, is great and what we need out of him right now. Yeah, Albert says uh, better as central mid. He could use some weight training. I see him getting pushed off the ball often too easily. I guess my question to follow up that is, is he a number eight? I mean, there's certainly room for depth at that position in Bob's preferred formation. Is Jaden's future as a number eight with really good close control that can play that sort of role and be a bit of a, a, a of a of a uh, uh, jack of all trades. It's not the word I'm looking for, but a surprise eight. You know what I mean? Who's who's a different also element. got yeah 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 yeah. So I would say that's not his best position, but he's showing he's capable of slotting in and filling that role if they need to. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that's really impressed me is just how fast Jaden is in his first couple of steps. Super speedy. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are times he picks up the ball and his first three, four strides, he's burning past a defender. Um, and it's, it's crazy that cause uh, Albert is right in terms of saying he needs to probably bulk up a little bit, but it's easy, yeah, so it's is so Robert, easy to yeah. forget. <laughs> it's so easy to forget that 
he's 19 years old. Truth. Like, truth. This, this kid, this kid might still be going through a, a growth spurt here. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, like we don't have a Nick DeLeon and a Tsubasa Endo anymore. So what I'm saying is, is Jaden the next generation of that? A utility player that is, you know, has a preferred position like that, you know, Nick DeLeon and Tsubasa, but can deputize as needed to fill out the squad, especially in central midfield where we're, where we're a bit thin. Yeah, that's a, that's a good analogy right now for this current team. I think Jaden Nelson's ceiling is way higher than... Dillion and Subasa Endos, I think I know that if mm-hmm. KFC wanted to, Jaden Nelson would probably be in Europe right okay. now. So I, his ceiling is is way higher than than those two players. But right now, that's the that's exactly the role that he fits. Is a guy who can slot in at different positions, and the more reps and experience right now he's getting within the team, the better that he appears to be getting, which isn't something we've been able to say the entire season. I'm just sure talking thing. over this last period of stretch. So yeah, he looks he looks like he's slotted in and done really well there for TFC in that sort of role, especially when he's not trying to do too much. Amazing, amazing. So moving on to, you mentioned him already, Mark Anthony came. My note is, what happened? Where is he gone? Obviously he came over nursing what was expressed as a minor injury, but it's turning into something a lot more major. Yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't say major. Um, it's probably taken the team a little bit longer uh, than they would have liked to get Mark Anthony K back into the starting eleven and back into the team. Uh, it's it's a lower lower body injury, so a little bit of a leg injury. Uh, okay. it could be it could be a calf or a hamstring. Um, and there was a point where it looked like Mark Anthony K was really close to making his return. Uh, he was ramping up how he was how he was in training, the amount of reps he was getting in training, and then the next day it, it kind of took a little bit of a a setback. So Bob Bradley was unable to give a timeline after last match in terms of how long Mark Anthony K will be out for because he said they need to figure that out. The one day he's feeling good, the one day he's not feeling good. Uh, so right now it's, it's difficult to say exactly when it is he'll be back, but I don't think it's a major concern. I'd, I wouldn't, I'd be surprised if he's not back by the end of the month. Now here's, here's where when you saying it's not a major concern, I, I furrow my brow. We're under a hundred days to the world cup. Does this, does this affect, I mean, obviously he needs to get into form because it's a very clawed midfield uh, for the Canadian men's national team. If he wants minutes or even to be on that plane, He's got to get healthy really soon, wouldn't you agree? Yes and no. Like I think he's okay. on that plane regardless. If he wants to get minutes and get into form, yeah, yeah, you know, I think that's that's fair. I, again, I we're a hundred days away, so we're still what three and a half months until the World Cup. So you get him back by half a month, he still has at least two months more to play. Uh, and get right. back into form. So I'm not I'm not too worried about it right now. If it becomes a problem past the end of end of this month, then sure we can start asking questions about that. I just don't think we're there quite yet. That's fair. That's fair. All right, on to my next note, and it is Oso, 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 Oso. Oh wow, the man, the myth, the legend, the hometown superstar, a DP in my books, Jonathan Osorio. Uh, can't say enough good things about him. He held he held the team together with glue and a hope. 
while we were floundering. And now he's he's seeing the most uh, uh, advantage from from our from the new this new roster. I mean, he's a he's if he's not the best player on TFC right now, and that's probably untrue. He's certainly the most beneficial of 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 this upgrade this this summer transfer upgrade. He is playing lights out right now. Yeah, that's a we'll dive into that in a second because I'll I'll make an argument as to who the most beneficial is. For, mm-hmm. from this summer transfer upgrade but in terms of Ozo yeah man like he is he's scoring different types of goals too like it's yeah. not just it's not just the same you know make a run into the box and, and tap it in type of goals that we've seen from Ozo in the past obviously the one against Nashville where he pulls it from his right to his left hits it with the left foot from outside the box like it, he's he keeps improving and improving and improving year after year. And I have a, I'll have a piece coming out on Ozo. Actually, I spoke to him. And it's something that he says that he's playing the best football of his of his career, essentially. And I won't give too much I, more away because there's, there's some yeah, more. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. And and that's astounding considering every year we're talking about how he's playing the best football of his career. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, it's you crazy. know, we made, we made a mistake with Richie. Uh, and it's not a mistake because you don't stand in the way of, the, of a player and their dreams. Um, but I think we need to hold on to Oso. Losing Oso it would be catastrophic. Um, it, it, and I don't know if I can be convinced otherwise. I mean, he is he is the heart and soul of this team in a way that that Michael Bradley can't be because he's not from here. He is he's Mister Toronto. You know, we used to we used to call Ashton Morgan that, but I think Oso's got the title and. Uh, it's just a joy to watch. It's a joy to watch him uh, when he's when he's focused and he's happy and he's and he's getting, you know, he's he's just he's a madman out there. It's it's unbelievable. You know, you look back at at, at his debut, and uh, yeah, we'll get to them later. Axis, don't worry, I got things to say about that. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's uh, I I don't I I don't know. I I agree that he lo- he deserves a proper look at a European team. Uh, I don't know if he's I don't know if, you know, again, I think TFC at the very least have to sweeten the deal so that if we do part ways with Oso, it's simply about, you know, the the the, the labyrinthine structure of, of MLS and the fact that, you know, homegrowns don't necessarily get DP deals. But uh, I think it would be an insult to the player and his legacy at this club if TFC don't go hard for, for, for re-signing Jonathan Osario uh, in the coming season. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that that goes without saying. I think he's earned every bit of raise that he's going to get. I will still die on the hill that as good as Jonathan Osorio has been, he's not a DP for me. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's fair. See what Insane and Bernardeski are doing, and you know, it's, it's it's unbelievable how good Jonathan Osorio has has been once again this year. He's what nine league goals this year is one back tying his career high obviously he mm-hmm. said that in 2018 um and when you consider the roles that he's been asked to play this year you know and as a deeper number six at times beside michael bradley it, it, he's proven that he's a swiss army knife and before this 100%. show i was hundred percent i was actually looking up uh the amount of number eights in mls right now that have nine goals guess how many there are zero 
There's one. It's it's Jonathan Osorio. Oh yeah, well of course. So zero. Ne- yeah. I thought you were asking with <laughs> now, now. Now Graham, I'm just going to call you out a little bit. Let's not overrate and get overexcited about Oso. I think we need to get more excited and more overrated about Oso. I I think that that we're doing the man a disservice by just considering you know him just there. You know, Oso's there. He's just there forever. And I and I and and I think that his his quality and his level of play and his ascendance season over season demands more respect. And the last thing I want is is if there is parting of, of ways for them for us to not appreciate just what this guy's done for us uh, in the good times and the bad times. And he does not deserve to be lumped in as, oh, it's just Jonathan Osorio. This man should have a statue at BMO. He should be on the wall of legends already. Um, yeah. and, and, and I, you know, I'm sorry, but that's the way I feel. He's quietly been the best player uh, uh, week in, week out for our club during some really lean years. And I think that we should be screaming his name from the rooftops, not lumping him in as as just, you know, he's, he's going to be there. It's Jonathan Osorio, you know? Um, and yeah. again, I agree with well, you, he's not a DP, but I, that gives, I've never had a better argument to get rid of the DP rule in MLS 2022 moving on than Jonathan Osorio. Time to give clubs... Uh, a salary cap, eliminate the DP rule, let them spend their money uh, as they see fit because the league is now graduated to a level where we might lose players like Jonathan Osorio. And that's bad for the league. That's not just bad for Toronto FC. That's bad for the league as the whole. MLS needs to figure out a way to attract the Gareth Bale. Well, I mean, Gareth Bale is on a TAM player, <laughs> but they need to figure out a way to attract the Bernadeschis and the Insignias without besmirching the homegrowns that have come through like, like Oso isn't, I'm not even talking about a TAM player versus a DP. This is the, this is the best example to get rid of the DP rule because we've now reached a point with Jonathan Osorio where we have to pay the man, but we can't make him a DP because you look at how the DP rule works, which is the best argument to eliminate it and just let teams spend, you know, absolutely. Uh, when I, uh, I don't know. When have, I spoke mm-hmm. to Bill Manning earlier this year about Oso a couple of months ago, First thing he said is Jonathan Osorio, when all is said and done, he's going to be on the Mount Rushmore of Toronto FC. Without question. So, uh, everyone understands kind of Ozo's significance to this team. And yeah, you know, I think we're all on the same page there where I don't necessarily believe he is a designated player. And who knows, that might be what costs Toronto FC here in terms of, of losing a guy like Jonathan Agreed. Osorio. Agreed, would, and it sucks. But yeah. circling back to what I was going to say off the bat, when you said mm-hmm. Ozo's the guy who has probably benefited the most from the arrivals of, of TFC's new players, I I got to say it's Michael Bradley, man. There we go. Michael, Someone called Michael, it like a bunch, a bunch before in the chat. There you go. Of, of course, man, because Michael Bradley looks like he's turned back the clock. Um, mm. I wrote a piece already about this. So I'll just echo those thoughts. It's he doesn't have to do an insane amount of work anymore. He needs to yep. do what what makes him very good, and that is getting the ball to his players in the right positions at the right times. Um, there's no longer a need for Michael Bradley to get his head up and hit a diagonal over the top to put a player in. Um, and he's, yeah, you, you could see he's playing with a little bit more confidence and belief in, sure. in the rest of his teammates, which is natural when you improve the quality of the side and what i've what i've liked and i'm not sure how much more we're going to see this but it's it's been fun to watch 
There are times in the final third where he's Bradley Brace making pass making passes like a fine like a number ten. Like that yep. scoop pass to Lorenzo and Singe. Have we Stupid. ever seen Michael Bradley try something like that in the last like three years? Yeah, he's trying yeah. different things now. Um yep. And he's having that yeah, goal. Was, that goal he scored. He, he that was oh, a number yeah. nine. Yeah, I mean it was no, crazy. Yeah. Uh, uh, and again, this my second favorite goal of all time is when he uh, chipped the at the Azteca. The, the when the U.S. played Mexico and that we chipped the keeper from like sixty five yards out. Um, I agree with you. I agree with you. I don't think there's more to say there because you know Michael Bradley. You know, even when he's getting lambasted by TFC Live, it's it's never as Dip, as big a dip in quality as the fan base would 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 love to protest. He is pretty constant player, and it's nice to see him having yet another renaissance. Um, I have to say, do we think Alex Bono is quietly having a career season right now? Uh, I would say that the job that he's been asked to do has gotten a lot easier since the team has improved the quality around him. And I'd say okay. what he brings to this team now uh, works well because he's a guy who's good in the air, deals with deals with crosses. He's a shot stopper. So when yep. you know there's an instance uh, in the match on Saturday where someone in, in Portland broke through, and Alex Bono makes it honestly a fantastic leg kick save, like David de Gea esque. Um, he's not doing so great right now David De Gea but yeah yeah, okay that's a different story Um, but yeah yeah you know he's like Michael Bradley like Jonathan Osorio you surround Alex Bono with good players and he's going to look look better there's not as much pressure on him there's there was a time through the first more than half of the season where Alex Bono was the league leader in MLS and saves made he's now dropped down to about you know 10 15th in the league because I think TFC are just playing that much better as a team in front of him. Uh, so not sure. to take anything away from Bono, but his job does become easier. And I think, yeah, he is playing with with a little bit more uh, more confidence. Okay. I'm going to save my middle forwards. We have a problem note because I want to talk about uh, uh, Lucas McNaughton. And I think he oh, yeah. is doing some exceptional work back there. Uh, I think he is fully uh, 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 ingrained into the team now, and I do think he may be a starter. Do you agree? This season? Yeah. I think he he absolutely does start for Toronto FC this season until otherwise, until maybe he has a slip. But right now he is playing some really confident football. Uh, What I really, really like about this both Chris Mavinga and Lucas McDonald is the qualities that they're bringing to the team complements what the team is, is trying to do. Um, Very well said. They are both center backs that are good with the ball at their feet. They both have pace, so have good recovery speed. Height. Good height. Yeah, both of them are pretty pretty solid in the air. They're both... They do a really good job of, especially lately, of pressing up on other teams' forwards or strikers when the ball gets played out to them and not giving them much room there. So I think those assets are really do complement the rest of this team. They Like Michael Bradley, they just know how to give the ball and get the ball to mm-hmm. players who 
like quite frankly, can do more with it moving forward. So they're not trying to do too much. And yeah, man, I think they've they've both settled in and formed a nice pairing there at the back, especially Lucas over this last stretch who stepped up when TFC have honestly needed him to. And I saw Chris Mavinga after the game. He was he was giving a little shout to John Herman and saying asking John Herman if he's watching because Lucas is making a he really is he absolutely is i'm i don't want to hang i don't want to hang on this for too long but it is on my note and it is the kids especially cozy yikes uh and i think i can just leave that there and we'll talk about that when it comes up later i'll i'll adjust my question to where in the world is caden chump That's the that's a good question, man. It's something I've actually been been wondering myself. He's he's had some minutes with TFC too. Uh, there was the injury back in May that I think he was playing some decent football up to that point, but then got injured and hasn't really been able to refine that sort of form and trust with the coach. And then when you bring in guys like Richie and Mimo, and you still have Luca on the bench and Jaquiel's now back healthy. Kosi's now he's just too far down the depth chart for this Toronto FC team right now. So yeah, lost in the weeds is sort of the best way to wrap mm. it up. Okay. Okay. Um, you've probably said a lot about this, but I haven't had the opportunity to wish Shaffle God hit all the best in Nashville. Uh, I've read the Molinero article outlining, you know, why it was a good move for the player and the club. Uh, I understand the move. Uh, I certainly understand that it was about bringing in Richie and had to be done. But I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss our sweet, our sweet little little baby boy, Jacob Schaffelgod. Um, and I think that's all I need to say about that. Uh, I, 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 it, it looks like uh, the the winds had turned and that he needs the playing time. And like I said, wish him best of luck in Nashville. But I'm going to miss the I'm going to miss the little guy. Yeah, and that's what, that's one of the things we talked about, right? Is just uh, at this point of the year, and I think moving forward, it's going to be really tough for kids at Toronto FC to get minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I said this a while back that if everything went to plan for TFC in this transfer window, there would be no kids in the starting eleven, and that's what's played out uh, yep. so far. Um, Absolutely, and I think, and I think from this point onwards it's only going to get worse in that regard because I think when you're going to start seeing TFC bring in more veteran MLS ready pieces to complement the rest of this group in the off season as they continue the transition of this roster. So yeah, the kids was, was they were, they were fun for a little bit, but when you compare it to what TFC is trying to do right now, and that's compete for a trophy, every trophy that's out there. Uh, I think fans, especially the casual fans would take that 10 times out of 10 right now. Yep. Yep. And again, what this was an outlier. You know, I always go back to the La Masia example. 1% of the, of the elite of the elite at La Masia end up getting solid minutes or a starting position on the first team at Barcelona. Uh, this was a, 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 an experiment. Um, you know, I was the one that was calling for decisions to be made and it feels like they were for better or worse, just like I was asking for. So I can't now come back and say, well, you know, we, we need more time. Decisions were made. Uh, for better or worse, and the team is better as a consequence. And look, you know, Jaden hit uh, in a big, big, big way. Uh, Lucas hit in a big, big, big way. That's a great ratio. So um, 
let's get to the big one, which everybody wants to talk about. And it is forwards. We have a problem. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I think you have it here in your questions. I mean, they've both fallen off a cliff form wise. Uh, you know, uh, Jesus, uh, Jimenez's body language is atrocious. Uh, he looks frustrated out there. He's holding his hands aloft. He hasn't, re- he hasn't been reduced to yelling at his teammates on the pitch, but I feel like that's coming. Um, you know, here's your stats. He's got one goal in his last 16 matches after starting the season with eight goals in his first nine games. Um, you put ellipses there. So obviously you have something to say. What's your theory on this precipitous drop in form for Jesus Jimenez? Um, it's a good question. I think a lot of it revolves around the different style of play that Toronto FC are now fair and like new, new players that have now come in. He's getting different types of service. He's still trying to figure out exactly where he needs to be. Um, I actually thought on Saturday was his best game since the Charlotte game for TFC. Uh, I thought there were maybe two or three times he could have easily found the back of the net had he made a quicker, more confident decision. Um, And it it seems like he's just in a bit of a rut right now. I think his quality still shows. There are times he's frustrating because I think his work rate could be a little bit better. Um, Fair. And... Bob Bradley even said like the sometimes the best way to work out of a rut and like a scoring drought is to work. And I don't know. I thought we saw a little bit more of that on, on Saturday night. I here this is excess of evil is saying something that I wanted to mention. So I'm just going to interject. He did have a visible disagreement with, with Bernadeschi over the penalty. I know that you talked about this on the tunnel club and this show mm-hmm. and dismissed it as Players want to be playing. What I'm saying is this. He's in a goal drought. It's obvious giving him a goal might be benefiting his confidence outright. If his teammates aren't willing to do that for whatever reason, just to get him on the ledger, doesn't that speak to a deeper issue? Like they don't trust him. They don't necessarily want to be playing with him. I'm just speculating here. I'm just spitballing. But it's like if it's all for one, right right down the core, wouldn't it be a no-brainer to let Jimenez step up and take that penalty and get an easy, soft penalty goal and just get him back get him back into confidence? At that time, in that moment of the game, uh, I understand why Bernadeschi takes the penalty. I understand why he I know, wants I, to take the penalty. I think okay. I, I hear your point. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that is a thing because he's not a DP and he doesn't have the same sort of status that an Insigne or Bernardeschi does. Sure. I'm not sure if it kind of weeds down to trust as opposed to more so belief in, in yourself and Bernardeschi wanting to be the guy because he is a designated player for this team and honestly one of the faces for this team. Sure thing. Uh, but that's, that was one of the things that we did bring up is that Jesus wasn't in form. He, he, a goal would have done him really well. Um, but yeah, I, I, again, I just, I don't so think then, that was the right time. So then here's my next question. Well, do we need a DP number nine center forward simply because it evens out the consequence and the responsibilities, right? If this is an issue and anybody, even, you know, Robert Lewandowski as a number, as a TAM number nine, isn't going to have the same panache and, and forwards are such fickle, emotional beings. 
it does does it matter who we've gotten there at tam is that how we spend our dp slot 100 percent? no not 100 okay. percent for me uh okay i think again we need to see what happens with jonathan osorio and i still believe investing if it's a dp number nine I think it has to be maybe a short-term, one-year type of deal for a DP number nine. Okay. Because Michael Bradley's not getting any younger, and mm-hmm. we need to replace him with a really quality central midfielder. And then Jonathan sure. Osorio's kind of – his future is still a little bit up in the air here with Toronto FC. So I think you need to see how that plays Correct. out before making up your ultimate decision. The more that I watch this team – and if they can keep Richie Larea, if they find a way to bring back Jonathan Osorio, if one of Jesus or Io can start to get going here, I'm like talking myself into a DP center back once again. <laughs> I'm talking hey. myself into because that's the one area on the field that we can objectively say along now with the number nine position that's like, we can improve. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we can improve over Mimo. We can't improve over Richie. We can't improve right now over Ozo at that value. We c- at that value, I have a hard time considering what he brings to the club. Not Can we improve over Michael? I'm not sure about that. Mm-hmm. Mark mm-hmm. Anthony K at that price is pretty dang good value. And then, of course, Insigne and Bernadeschi. So aside from the number nine, the center back is the two clear positions we need to improve. And obviously sure. goalkeeper, but you're not you're not spending money on a designated player goalkeeper. Now, so. you, you've talked on, in detail about how, you know, with our current crop of number nines, Jesus and Io, they're both entirely different players. One is a bit flashier than the other, and Io has the better work rate and likes to get in behind. Pete, this chat is replete with people defending Io, give him more minutes, give him more time, et cetera, et cetera. Why? I mean, other than to to close the book on we made a mistake re-signing him. Like, oh. you know, he's missing sitters, man. Like, you know, it, like his positioning's all wrong. He's He feels he, he's like as slow as a tank out there. Like the, the attributes that, that we want to attribute to Io, I think, I think that we're all like, stuck in this feedback loop of the of that brief moment in the MLS's back tournament where he was a world beater but he hasn't been that way in a while um and I'm just wondering you know I guess my question is why are we so quick to make excuses for Io and and are ready to ship uh Jimenez out the door I mean Jimenez had a better start eight goals in his first nine games than Io had during that moment at the MLS's back tournament in 9 a.m. heat in, in in Orlando. So I just don't understand it. I like I realize that at this point, you know, an upgrade is probably not gonna happen. And and maybe, you know, it's it's worthwhile to get Io some more minutes as a starter. But what do we need to see that we haven't seen already? If, if anything, he's proving that he's just as inconsistent as Josie was in the last year's of of his of his career with TFC and that is not something that I want to go through again. Well, I think it's because he's 22 years old. Okay. He's coming off a significant knee injury. And there's upside with Ioakinel. I I like I believe there's upside if with Jesus Jimenez. 
I think there's upside with both of these guys in, in different ways. I don't think, again, like when things aren't going well, it's easy to jump on both of these guys and saying they're not the players that we need or they're not good players. But I'm not ready to write either of them off personally. I think okay. Jesus, as what he showed earlier on this year, is closer to the type of player that he can be for this Toronto FC team when he refines his confidence and refines his form. And I think Io is Io may not be the player that we were hoping that he would be uh, two seasons ago, but I still think he's a, a very dangerous number nine. And on top of that, he signed a really good contract for this team as a young money initiative signing. So he's not an expensive signing. So it's a, it's a good investment for, mm-hmm. for, for Io. And yeah, I think at 22 years old, you, especially with his sort of frame and his body type, I don't think, I don't think we can write him off at all. I, I mean, listen at the, you know, the, the party line was once we have Berna and, and Insignia, even before Berna was on the radar, it was a pylon can finish, you know, the crosses that Insignia will be delivering into the box. So I just, I, I just, I have a lot of difficulty with the excuses about lack of form at best. We've got two very inconsistent sort of moody number nines. Um, and if they can't make lemons out of Insignia's incredibly uh, uh, good lemonade, you know, if they can't make lemonade out of Insignia's lemon, <laughs> then what are we doing? I mean, quite honestly, like it's we're we're a big club. We have the money to upgrade, and I think uh, you know if we're sending Schaff off to to the glue factory in Nashville, you know, sorry Schaff, and and making these big decisions all over the pitch it feels like a disservice to, to, to what we're trying to do by ignoring what's staring us in the face with respect to maybe they're both not good enough and, and, or maybe they're not, you know, like pause was they're not players in the style that suits what we've built around them. And we I think that's closer. I think that's closer to it, especially with Jesus. Um, one of the reasons he was brought in is because the team liked how well he, he was going to link up with Lorenzo and Signe down the left-hand side. Um, I'm not sure that's been the case so far. I think mm-hmm. maybe that was a little bit of a misread in terms of how exactly they are going to link up. Again, that doesn't mean that you know he can't get going because I thought it, he had about two, three chances to easily find the back of the net last game. Sure and thing. if he puts if he puts one of those away, uh, this conversation probably isn't. Uh, we're not having the same type of conversation. It's Jesus's job to lose at this point. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if we're quite at the point where he's lost that job. And in my rebuttal to your um, your theory that we need a, an expensive sort of upgrade, the only way you're really going to get that is by using your DP slot on a number nine because Jesus is that expensive sort of upgrade. He's not sure. cheap by any means no, he when isn't. it comes to the MRS, MLS salary budget. So uh, it's not the glass. Grass, I guess, isn't always greener. And I think... TFC need to find a way to get one of these guys going before the end of the year uh, to really help solidify their chances. If they do get one of these guys going, watch out. <laughs> watch out, because this team's already really good. If they add yeah. a number nine to that. That's... Where in the world is Jordan Perusa? I mean, he tore it up for TFC, too, in, 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 over the last couple seasons. Scored super bangers, the likes of uh, of number 24 for the first team. 
you know, I would hate to think that he is lumped in with the kids who got much more time in the first half of the season as someone who's a trade bait or, or has got to go because he had very limited opportunities. He didn't, he certainly didn't shroud himself in, in the Cape of glory with those limited opportunities, but it's fair to say he didn't get as fair a shake with playing time as some of the other kids in the first half of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Like with, with Jordan, I'm not sure if he's quite at the level um, at this point to, to contribute in a really meaningful way. He's Ouch. 10, 10 out of 10 mentality. Uh, is good, good future. Uh, and in terms of like someone who like literally bleeds TFC, Jordan Perusa is that guy. Uh, whenever you talk to him, he says all the right things about being here. Um, sure he won't, he won't say a peep about playing time. He, He's a local boy who understands what it means to, to put on that TFC shirt. So just his mentality, having that in the locker room is great. I'm not sure if he'll ever get to the point where he asks uh, to be transferred out. Right. And I also, I, I don't, he's playing some minutes with TFC too. So I'm not sure he's, he's quite Ouch. at the level right okay. now when you have Jesus and, and Io because he's competing with those guys. Yeah, but it should be no competition. Give him some minutes. Let's see what the kid can do. You know what I mean? Instead of subbing Io in to miss headers a 65-minute on, why don't you bring Perusa in and see what he can do? <laughs> you know? Uh, uh, to uh, me, it's just a just a simple, simple math. Anyway, uh, uh, my last two notes are, and this is a big one, will we make the playoffs this year? I mean, I'm looking at our schedule. Uh, and you know, uh, certainly we're going to need some other teams to help us out. Do you think it's doable? We actually, so we actually alert, don't, I don't, we actually don't need other teams to help us out. Uh, this is okay. in Toronto. If they win enough of their games, I don't have the exact number right now. They will, they will make the postseason. They could be in a playoff spot by the end of next Saturday. If all things go right for this team. And I'm saying that okay. because. If you look at sort of the weekend, weekend a bit ahead, uh, the next three games are against. So TFC right now are in twelfth on twenty nine points. The mm-hmm. next three games are against the New England Revolution on Wednesday, which is a massive. Mm-hmm. Game. The Revs are eighth in the East with thirty. First game points. back at BMO. Looking forward to it in a month. Absolutely. There you go. And Saturday they're in Miami. They face. Again, a team with 33 points and seventh in the East, so the last playoff spot Miami's in. And then next week they play at Charlotte, 29 points and 11th in the East, so so tied with TFC there. If they win all three of those games, I'd have a hard time seeing how they're not in a playoff spot by the end of those games. Wow. More than that, they have nine games remaining, I believe, this season. I believe six of those games are against teams who are their direct competition in making the playoffs. And when, when I say that, I mean teams that are within 13th to about fifth place. Yeah. So it is in their control. And that's that's the good part. What needs to happen, though, is there's not many more games at home. I think four out of the last nine games are at home at Vimo Field. True that. So they need to continue this sort of road form they've been on and find ways to pick up points on the road. And what's wild to, to think about this is that they play Miami twice, they play the Galaxy once, 
it could come down to Toronto FC's playoff hopes and fate being in the hands of Greg Vanny and Alejandro Pozuelo. Yep. Yeah. It's my last question, Mikey. Will Paws chip us into oblivion is his last question. (laughs) And I I feel like he has to. He has to. We got two games against him. Breaking news, he was just named the MLS Player of the Week. Uh, He scored two goals in Miami's comeback win. Yeah, against New York City FC, it was. So he's re-energized. Pop, uh, he's re-energized Gonzalo Higuain, who was on the way out of the club, and now they're best buddies. Uh, uh, Pause is doing some good stuff down south. Yeah, it hasn't been all um, all great for Pause. I think this last bit of recent stretch, he's really come into his own. Uh, so it, it's good to see from him. It just bad timing if you're Toronto FC because he played the mm-hmm. Miami on on twice. Saturday. So hopefully, yep. twice yeah throughout the rest of the season. So hopefully, uh. He doesn't come back to bite us, but yeah, this New England game is going to be tough because they're a team like Toronto that's in form. They're unbeaten in their last four games. They understand what's sort of at stake here. And mm-hmm. when you think back to that match where Lorenzo and Sydney missed his penalty shot against New England, that one really stings for me because it if really they, does. They yeah, those, those points you're now talking about a TFC team that's within, I believe, two points of a playoff spot as opposed to four. And New England also has a game in hand. So, yeah, massive, massive night at BMO Field a midweek. I'm interested to see what the atmosphere will be like. Interested to I'll see be there, the vibes so it'll be, be loud like. or sleepy. And you, know, or... <laughs> and you know this team's going to be desperate, too. Like, they're, they've mm-hmm. already started talking about that Wednesday game. So it's honestly going to feel like a, a playoff game uh, at BMO Field. They're almost wins hoping, at this point, yeah. And I'm hoping the atmosphere is – is matches what TFC's intensity will be that game. There'll be a really big one. And if, yeah, if you want to look at this one game at a time, that game against New England could be a six point game and will, if they win, will move them to within one point of a playoff spot. So yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Big, big test. And what a last thing I'll add is we've, we've talked well, about first, first, let me interject. Michael Singh has challenged you TFC live. You have to come out on Wednesday and you have to bring the noise. That was a direct challenge to TFC fandom. So Michael Singh will be very disappointed <laughs> in all of you if you're not there with bells on on Wednesday night. So, you know, take that as you will. Facts. And then the last thing I want to say is we talked about that on our show before, but the Seattle Sounders in 2016. At this point of the year, do you know how many points they had, Jeff? I think you're going to blow my mind and tell me that they won the MLS Cup with just as many points as we had at this point in the season. So they actually, so they had 30 points. So one more point. Damn. At this point. Damn. I like that that number. That was a team that went on to obviously win the MLS Cup in 2016. So Chris Mavinga said it after the game. He's been in this league for a while. He knows what happens when you can go on a run here at the end and you know, find good form in your last 10 matches. Love it. Love and it. TFC are on the way to doing that. If TFC do get in, are, are you going to want to play this Toronto FC team in the playoffs? Absolutely not. not. Many races no right. way. Um, but you still haven't answered my question. I want, I want it on, I want it on video. Will pause chip us into oblivion on Saturday? No, no. Cause I think this team is okay. way better right now than uh, I say. Yes. I say yes. Just work. because of course. Of course, but, but you say no. So when we re when we reconvene, we will have a little bit of fun with that. Absolutely, perfect. And then honestly, Jeff, that's a it's been an hour. It's a great way to sort of wrap up 
100% today. Um, positive vibes. I think TFC are going to go out and hopefully put in a, a really strong performance on Wednesday. I think three points is pretty much that that's what it needs to be at this point uh, in the year at mm-hmm. home, especially when they yep. have so many road games coming up. So massive game on Wednesday night. Like Jeff said, I'm challenging everybody out there to just make that atmosphere at BMO field something incredible as you guys have done lately. Trust me. You don't want to disappoint Michael saying, trust me. It's (laughs) it's not a fun time. So, so be out there TFC live or, or suffer the consequences. Yeah. Chris Mavinga said after the game, he was talking to some players from the other team and they, they mentioned how tough of a place it is to come to Toronto because of the atmosphere. And that's something that we haven't felt for, for quite some time. So it just makes this occasion and these moments so much more special. So hopefully Wednesday is another one of those special moments and the club can follow it up with a victory on Saturday against Inter Miami. Um, but for now, I guess that's all from, from us, Jeff, any sort Good of to be back, man. Here? Good it's to great be to back. be back. Exactly. I missed this and, uh, I, I missed having these conversations and I'm, I'm pleased that with my limited, uh, my limited ability to follow the team, I was still able to sort of keep pace with you. So, so there we go. No, it's great, and we'll get you back up to speed as sort of uh, as sort of this uh, the season wears on, and it should be a fun stretch down the rest of the way. But yeah, for now, mm-hmm. on behalf of Jeffrey P. Nesker, my name is Michael Singh. We will see you guys next week. <laughs> And wait, and wait, and baby, I'm TFC till I die.